Welcome to Making Connections, a WMNT series on diversifying our future. At President Biden's recent American Jobs Plan announcement in Pittsburgh, he proposed a $16 billion investment in cleaning up abandoned mines and gas wells. For several years now, local officials, regional planners, economists, labor leaders, activists, and regular folks have been calling for just such an investment. And on Wednesday, April 14th, the Ohio River Valley Institute and Reimagine Appalachia released a timely set of new reports titled Repairing the Damage from Orphan Wells and Abandoned Mine Lands. The reports detail how Appalachia can tackle the climate crisis while creating thousands of local jobs. Here is the press conference. Welcome. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Joanne Kilgour, and I'm the executive director of the Ohio River Valley Institute. Today with our partners at Reimagine Appalachia, we're pleased to release two new reports detailing the price tag and opportunity associated with reclaiming and remediating abandoned coal mines and oil and gas wells, and how federal investment can create good paying jobs in the Appalachian region. These reports come at an exciting time for the region. There's an urgent need to address damage to our communities from decades of coal mining and oil and gas development. We're so excited to work with regional champions like Senator Manchin to create a bold infrastructure plan for the region. And we're also heartened to see the overlap in the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint priorities with President Biden's American Jobs Plan, including reclaiming abandoned mine lands and orphan and gas wells. This work not only has the potential to create significant long-term benefits for our communities, but also to create more than 30,000 new local jobs. Thank you again for joining our, our press event today. And we'll first hear from Ted Bettner, a senior researcher with the Ohio River Valley Institute. I uh, just want to thank, first of all, let's thank everybody for being here. This is the product of months and months of research and talking to officials in uh, the four states that we looked at for this report. Uh, so when we're looking at the Ohio River Valley region, we're talking about Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. So this report uh, is looking at identifying the number of abandoned orphan gas wells. Uh, that could be plugged and restored in the Ohio River Valley states. We also looked at the estimated costs to plug and restore those wells. Secondly, we looked at the number of jobs created from a large-scale uh, program to remediate and plug these wells, and the potential to lower greenhouse gases, especially methane, uh, from some of these wells. And we also offer recommendations for a federal program and structure in order to deal with this problem. Uh, as people know, over the last several years, there's been growing attention at the state and federal level to address the problems associated with abandoned orphan wells. Uh, because of these wells are imposing uh, environmental damage, uh, health and safety damage, and also they're leaching pollutants into the air and water. There's also a huge number of unfunded liabilities associated with the abandoned well problem and the orphan well problem in this country. Uh, so what I'd like to do is to sort of share very briefly uh, some of the uh, top uh, findings of the report. Uh, and okay, so this uh, is looking at the number of abandoned wells in the Ohio River Valley states. 
uh, we found a total of about 538,000 wells that could be plugged and remediated in the four states. And you can see that they're broken out. There's about 160,000 in Ohio, in Kentucky, about 103,000, and in West Virginia, about 76,000. And in Pennsylvania, uh, we used an estimate from the uh, Department of Environmental Protection there of about 200,000 wells that could be plugged. And we got this data from not only this uh, uh, from our friends at Frack Checker who looked at state databases, but also we got the plugging cost data based on average plugging costs in those states based on periods of time. Uh, so we collected data on the cost of thousands of wells to plug and arrived at uh, an average cost. And we multiplied that by the number of wells in each state. Overall, we think uh, that to plug the 538,000 wells that are in the region, uh, it would cost about 25 billion to approximately 34.5 billion uh, on the higher end. Uh, but using that lower end number, we can also look at the potential for job creation and the potential for uh, reducing methane. Uh, also plugging these wells and cleaning up these sites can also improve public safety, health, air quality, property values, and economic development in the region. Uh, it can also improve agriculture where a lot of these wells are located on farms. It also can address pro private property rights where people have bought uh, property and these wells are on their property and they're impeding some type of development on their property as well. Uh, but overall, we found that uh, based on uh, uh, data from the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection, they have an industry jobs calculator to estimate how many jobs you can create through investment and plugging wells. And in general, you can create about 300 jobs for every $25 million that's invested. And it's important to note that those are direct jobs. We're not talking about indirect, induced, nor were we talking about jobs in terms of uh, administration in the uh, different programs. So overall, what we found was over 20 years, you could create over 15,000 jobs uh, each year for those years. And that's based on you know, an application that, that the plugging would scale up. Uh, over a couple of years and then go on for about 20 years, uh, which uh, is possible in order to scale up the program. So what you can see in, in Ohio, we're talking about, about 8,331 jobs created per year over 20 years. Kentucky, uh, 403, mostly because the plugging costs are different in these states as well. So you have a lower number of jobs based on the plugging costs for each state. Uh, West Virginia, close to about 2,500 jobs per year, and also Pennsylvania, close to about 4,000 jobs could be created per year over 20 years if we were to plug and remediate the wells that we've identified in this report. Uh, also, we could see the reduction of about 72 million metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions or carbon dioxide equivalent in the region uh, that would help address climate change at the same time, the crisis that we face with that and also help the industry. This is an industry that has seen large drop in employment over the last couple of, over the last couple of years. So in fact, since 2000, between 2014 and 2019, the region altogether has seen a decline of about 13,000 jobs in the upstream oil and gas industry. And that has to, that's development uh, and exploration and drilling. That's what we looked at. Uh, and also a lot of these jobs are projected not to come back in the future uh, from various energy analysts that have looked at it. Uh, so this could not only be a huge shot in the arm to, to the uh, region as a whole, 
but it could also help people that have lost their jobs over the last couple of years in the industry, gain meaningful employment back in the industry, and also leave enough room for other people who are often left out of the industry to get in the industry to get jobs doing this. Uh, so we see this as a great sort of lateral move to help the region not only uh, do, do something that it's gonna have to do anyway, uh, but that can also build uh, jobs and prosperity in the local economy. And the good news is that these are not sort of, let's train somebody and pray that they find a job. These are jobs that are identified and that we can get started on today. Uh, and in the report, uh, we also made some other recommendations about uh, what this all could look like. In the short term, uh, you know, we think that Congress should send at least $5 billion to states and tribes to identify, plug, and restore more orphan, orphan and abandoned wells. This would include expanding staff, inspections, improving monitoring, plugging, and reclamation practices. Uh, but we feel over the long run, a federal program with adequate uh, annual funding from the oil and gas industry is needed. Uh, there's two possible solutions for that. Uh, one solution would be to enact the Abandoned Well Act of 2021, which was put out by Megan Millick and Bevan uh, this year. Also, another idea would be to use the Abandoned Mine Reclamation Program as a guide uh, for this that provides precedent of people recall, which Eric will talk about here in a little bit, but that program existed primarily because of the large legacy costs uh, over, over 150, 200 years that resulted in thousands of abandoned coal mines. And we have a very similar thing happening with the abandoned oil and gas wells that we're talking about today. There are literally millions across this country estimated to be about uh, over 3 million abandoned wells and about 2 million of those are unplugged. In our region alone, there are estimates that are more than a million uh, abandoned wells in the region. So we feel uh, that this could be a way to address that issue uh, because if you look at the current rate, we are only plugging about a little over 2,200 uh, wells right now in all of the states that have orphan well programs, they spent about $53 million in 2018 plugging wells. You know, and if we were going to use, you know, this current rate that we're uh, on track for, it would take about 900 years for states to plug the estimated 2.1 million oil and gas wells, abandoned oil and gas wells in the U.S. So we also feel that policymakers should consider a national monitoring and inventory system so we can get a good accounting of how many wells are out there and the cost of them, and also include a risk assessment for wells. Some wells might not need to be plugs, some do. Um, there's also a lot more out there than we probably have an idea for, so investing in that. Also research and development, staffing and administration. Uh, plugging practices haven't changed much uh, since the mid 70s. So advancing the technology to ensure that plugging uh, can last a lifetime would be crucial in those efforts. Also job and safety training. Uh, you could, could include regional training centers, making sure that uh, it's OSHA compliant uh, would be a significant step toward ensuring that the, the quality of the work is done well. Also prevailing wages and local hiring practices that include women and people of color. So if you look at the oil and gas industry today, uh, over 80% of the people that are in that industry tend to be white. Uh, and less than 10% uh, uh, are female or people of color. Uh, so giving pathways for people to get into the industry is very important. And this could be funded in several ways. One way would be to scale back or eliminate the oil and gas, oil and gas subsidies that exist today. We estimate those about $11 billion annually. 
or we could levy a small unit fee on natural oil, I mean, on crude oil and natural gas production, which we estimate around three and a half, three and a half uh, billion dollars per year based on projections from the US Energy Information Administration. Uh, but the good news is these things are being discussed at the federal and state level. And there's broad recognition that this is something that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. And it's very important that the uh, industry is at the table, that we are at the table, and that people can live, work, and raise their families in places they want to be, in places they grew up, and that we can stimulate the local rural economies of this area that have been devastated by deindustrialization over the last several decades. And this is a way to do that, to not only address the climate change crisis that we face, uh, but also to address the crisis of of people not having the work that they need uh, to support their families. I'll be happy to answer any questions later on. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Ted. Uh, next, I'm pleased to introduce Eric Dixon, who is a research fellow with the Ohio River Valley Institute. Eric, over to you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Eric. I do economic and environmental policy at Orvi, and I'm the author of the Repairing the Damage Report on the Abandoned Mine Land Program which is a program that was created in 1977 by Congress to repair the damage from the coal industry for the more than 200 years prior that the coal industry had been uh, pulling coal out of the ground. So when people think of abandoned mine lands, I think uh, they often think of strip mines or deforested areas from surface mining. And there are certainly lots of AMLs or abandoned mine lands that are like that, but there are also a number of different problems that are caused by AML damage, including water pollution, including streams that are clogged from sediment that's come off of these sites into nearby waterways, um, and also including gases actually leaking from underground mines and uh, underground and surface coal mine fires. So, you know, it's, it's damage to land, air, and water. It's not just kind of strip mining damage. Um, and there's this figure that's, that's widely thrown around as the size of the remaining abandoned mine land problem, which is around $11 billion. $11 billion. That's the official estimate from the Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement. And one of the main goals of this report is to look into the size of that problem uh, if you account for some other costs. So it's kind of widely talked about among AML officials that this $11 billion figure that's widely cited is, is a lowball estimate and potentially by billions of dollars. So we wanted to look into that and see if you were to account and adjust for some things, what would that figure look like? $11 billion represents the current official estimate. But if you adjust for inflation and you add in the engineering design costs to actually design these reclamation programs and the administration costs to administer the, rec the reclamation of the remaining uh, problems, you're looking at about $22 billion um, as of 2020. So that is about you know, double the size of the official problem. Um, and it's probably gonna get, almost certainly gonna get larger, the size of the problem in the future because these sites deteriorate 
And there's a number of sites that we just don't know about yet. You know, a lot of these are on private property and we, you know, officials may not know of them until, you know, we're constantly discovering them. So if you add on another $5. billion in projected abandoned mine lands to be added to the inventory in the next 30 years, we're looking at about $26 billion worth of the size of the damage relative to, you know, the official estimate of $11 billion. Well, that tells us a couple of things. If we look at the 43 year history of the program so far, we've only reclaimed about 27% of the total size of the damage, which, you know, that's important work that's happened, but there's a lot more to go than we've done so far. The size of this problem is absolutely massive. And the problem represents a number of impacts for the planet and for people. So one of the one of the things that's not talked about as much with abandoned mine lands historically is its potential impacts on, uh, on climate change. But one of the things that this report looks into is methane leaks from abandoned coal mines. Um, and the EPA finds that abandoned coal mines both before 1977 and, and after 1977 Together, they are the 11th largest emission source of, of methane uh, in the country. So these can be, these abandoned mine lands could be a considerable source of methane emissions. And there are underground mine fires that develop and actually coal waste piles that can burn. Um, there's 7,000 acres of these mine fires uh, on abandoned mine lands across the country, at least 7,000 acres. And, you know, those also uh, emit carbon dioxide. We, those are kind of unmonitored. We don't know the extent of those emissions, but that's another potential large source of greenhouse gas emissions from, from abandoned mine lands. There's also a lot of poor vegetation on these sites that isn't sequestering the carbon that it could be if, you know, we had reforested these sites. And because of the poor vegetation, there's a lot of erosion or you know, water carrying sediment from these sites to waterways nearby, clogging streams. So there's at least 5,500 miles of clogged streams from AMLs across the country. And that would stretch across the entire continental US if you were to you know, flatten them all out. Um, and this is contributing to water pollution and flooding, which you know, we're seeing increase in areas like Appalachia due to climate change. And there's also a lot of health impacts from abandoned mine lands in, in addition to the impacts on, on the environment. Over 5 million people in seven Appalachian states live within one mile of an abandoned mine land. And that's one in three West Virginians live within a mile of, a, of, a, of an abandoned mine land. So if you're in the coal field areas of, of Appalachia, these are all around you, or this damage is all around you. And they can cause injury and death. We know that at least a couple dozen people have died as a result of uh, abandoned mine land damage. And often this is you know, falling off of a high wall or a slope or you know, drowning in a mine pool or something like that. There's enough water pollution that's being discharged from abandoned mine lands every minute to fill up an, an Olympic swimming pool every two minutes. So it's 320,000 gallons of water pollution every minute from that it's being discharged from abandoned mine lands. But 
there's something that we can do about this. We found in the report that if we were to, if we were to repair half of the remaining damage over the next decade, then we would create about 7,000 direct jobs and about 17,000 uh, indirect jobs. So those direct jobs include construction jobs. They include engineering jobs at state agencies. They include uh, inspection and administration jobs uh, with the federal government. And 84% um, of this damage, 84% of the damage is in those seven Appalachian states. So you know, we can assume that a, a massive percentage of these jobs are going to be in the Appalachian areas where there's often persistent poverty and, and unemployment. And if you look at the construction jobs, they actually pay, you know, we wanted to see like what, what do these construction workers actually make in the states where the, the work would happen? Well, they make above the poverty threshold, but often below a living wage threshold. And that's something that we go into in the paper and you can, you can dig into those statistics if you like. But I think to me that suggests that like, these are, you know, these aren't bad jobs, but there's a lot more we can do to make sure that these are really good jobs. Um, and I, I include a number of policy recommendations in the report, um, but those include you know, things related to labor standards, and they include things like creating a public reclamation jobs program in a new CCC, which to me would ensure that these jobs are accessible, not only to former coal workers who are looking for work, but also to, to people experiencing poverty in these areas that might not have construction experience. You know, this would be a pathway for them into this kind of work. So I'll, I'll end there and pass it over to Joanne. Thank you so much, Eric, for presenting on your paper. And next, I'm pleased to say that we're joined by Joe Pizarczyk, who is the former director of the Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement. Joe, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. You're welcome, Joanne. And thank you all for attending. Uh, the abandoned mine land problem is massive. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of acres of destroyed land in 22 states that range from Alaska to Alabama and is uh, Eric pointed out the overwhelming majority of them are in Appalachia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, Ohio, Alabama. There are also thousands of miles of toxic dead streams and rivers you know, that were polluted by coal mining. It will take tens of billions of dollars for the government to restore the land and water destroyed by 200 years of unregulated coal mining. This massive problem is also a great opportunity for President Biden to create thousands of jobs. It can also keep people employed as more coal mines and power plants close. And I'd like to point out, these are people who actually pay taxes too. Uh, the federal and state governments have the expertise to put people to work. What they need is certainty of funds. We all need Congress to pass H.R. 1734 to renew the abandoned mine land fund that is scheduled to expire this year and to pass President Biden's American Jobs Plan to add uh, hopefully $13 billion to the abandoned mine land fund. Adding $13 billion to the abandoned mine land fund has the added benefit of protecting health care for union miners who were abandoned by the coal companies. 
The government has been providing healthcare for them since the 1990s. Every dollar spent on abandoned mine reclamation generates $1.60 in the local communities. This does not include the value of the productive land and clean water, which are the ultimate in infrastructure, because without productive land or clean water, you have nothing but poverty. The toxic acid mine drainage that flows from abandoned coal mines uh, is the number one killer of streams and rivers. It has killed and continues to kill thousands of miles of America's waterways every day and has done so for more than a century. Acid mine drainage kills fishing, it kills boating, and it strangles the local economies because businesses need clean water. Designing and building abandoned mine acid mine drainage treatment plants will create many jobs for several years. Once that construction has been completed, there will be permanent jobs to operate and maintain these treatment plants. Every mile of restored stream generates more than $100,000 per year in the local economy. In Pennsylvania alone, there are 5,500 miles of polluted streams and rivers. So you can do the math, there are thousands more in other states like West Virginia, Ohio, Maryland, et cetera. While I was director, Secretary Jewell and I visited a hollow in West Virginia that contained some abandoned underground mine openings. One of the openings was discharging toxic water. It was very high in aluminum. And as that water flowed out of that mine opening and fell to the valley floor below, it was creating aluminum stalactites and stalagmites. It's only time I've ever seen that, but that gives you an idea how toxic it is. Aluminum is one of the most toxic metals in our waters in Appalachia. The head of that hollow was also buried in million tons of abandoned coal refuse, some of which had burned in the past. It was eroding, uh, slumping, and polluting the stream as well. There were people who lived in that hollow just downstream and that polluted stream water flowed right through their yard. Also another significant impact we've seen is an increase in rain and storm intensity the past few years caused by the changing climate. This new abnormal normal causes more floods, more abandoned mine land emergencies and more drainage water pollution from coal mines. Reclamation and reforestation of these abandoned mine lands will reduce flooding and the quantity of toxic water pollution that flows from these abandoned mines. Science has proven that forests consume about 60% of the rainfall. That means 60% of that water won't be flowing downstream causing erosion or flooding. It means 60% of that rainfall will not become contaminated and flow out and destroy more streams. The increased rainfall also causes more abandoned underground mines to collapse and damage homes, schools, and businesses located above those mines. For folks who don't know what mine subsidence is, it's basically like a big sinkhole that we've seen in other parts of the country. The state and federal government abandoned mine land programs provide the only funds to address these emergencies. Without this government help, without passage of HR 1734 to renew the abandoned mine land fund, and without $13 billion to be provided by the American Jobs Plan, no one will help these people in these emergencies. We've got an opportunity here to take care of these 
problems and to help people and to restore the land and environment and create jobs while doing that. Thank you so much, Joe. And thank you to all of our panelists for joining today. The reports discussed in this press conference are available online at the Ohio River Valley Institute. Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org.